Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. Oh, that sounds just so sweet. Get a little more excited. Look at your other neighbor. Say, God loves you. There we go. Good morning, church. I believe that God does love each and every one of you. Some of you are saying, oh, pastor, you don't know what I did this week. I, I don't need to know. I know who God is. And God doesn't change based on what you do. God loves you so completely and so deeply. Today, we're going to continue our series called Life Hacks, Unlocking Your Potential. This is, I think, part four of the series, and I want to talk to you today about parenting. Now, in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14a, 14a, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you, everybody say, then me. So we love to quote this verse on all the plans that God has for us, but we forget the then me part, right? Right? God has all of these plans, but then there's this requirement from us, requirement from us, it's then me. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. God, I don't know what you are up to, but I sense a shift in today's program. So I ask that you would just give me ears to hear and eyes to see exactly what you want to do in this room. God, I thank you that you are the way maker. And that there are people sitting here that need a way to be made for them today whether that is relationally, emotionally, whatever, mentally, physically, financially. God, we thank you that you are a way maker. And so today, God, as we look at the promises and the plans that you have for us, God, let us partner with the action that you want us to take, the thing that you want us to do, the next step. God, not the 10 years from now, but just the next step. Make it simple. Make it plain for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say amen. 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 You know, parenting is, is hard. Can I get a good amen from anyone? Amen. The only person that doesn't think parenting is difficult are the people that have never tried to parent. Right? I, I remember before I had kids, I would look at all of your kids and say, oh, when I have kids. And then I had kids and I realized, well, it, it doesn't quite work out the way you, you hope and you intend, you know. But you do what, the best that you can with the time that you have and the knowledge that you have. I guarantee you, this is probably why grandparenting is way better than parenting. <laughs> I'll be a grandparent in February, but I hear it's, it's oh, it's going to be a girl, by the way. Oh! Oh, my heart just skipped a beat when I said that I'm going to have a granddaughter, y'all. I know that's hard to believe. I didn't know you could be a grandparent at 27 either. But apparently, apparently, you know, someone said, if, if I knew grandparenting was this fun and this awesome, I would have done it first before parenting. But when you're a grandparent, you kind of understand the rhythm and the flow, and you understand, ah, not everything is a big deal. 
you know, or this is what I should focus on, and this is what I could kind of give them the freedom to, to do. And so you have a little more fun as grandparents, plus I'm sure you get to send them home to the parents. They get to then undo everything that grandma and grandpa have done. Um, so I, I know that parenting is not easy. I, I've made my fair share of mistakes, and even in writing the sermon and talking to myself about this with Jesus over the last couple of weeks, I've had to forgive myself for some mistakes that I've made as a dad. I have to give myself some room for mercy and grace. So I just want to encourage you, whether your kids are currently following Jesus or not, whether you currently have a, a speaking relationship with your kids or not, whether your kids currently have a dad in the home that's active and talking into their life or not, um, whether they have a mom in the home that is speaking life into them or not, this, this sermon... If we're not careful, we can make it become a I'm not good enough sermon. I'm not here to tell you that you're not a good enough dad or you're not a good enough mom. I'm here to tell you that God is good enough and he is able and strong enough to cover all of our weaknesses. So I just want to give you and I the freedom right now. Can you just put your hand on your heart and say, I give myself permission to not be perfect. Now take a deep breath. Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that feel good? We can just not be perfect. I, I'm not a perfect dad. I'm still not a perfect dad. I'll give you one story. Um, my son, Micah, who is going to be a dad in February, when he was a kid, we were on sa- staff at Skybreak, and he was a roughhouser, and I'm a roughhouser, and we play. And um, like So he was chasing me one day, and I tried to close the door between he and I, he was running from the garage playroom that we had, and I ran out of the garage playroom and closed the door, but the door didn't actually close, and he ran right into the door, the side of the door, and he got a big, big egg on his forehead. Yeah, that's, that's not cool. He got hurt often with me, <laughs> and, um, and then they were doing this video on parents or whatever, and they were interviewing my son, Micah. How old was he? I don't know, probably 12, 13 11, 10, I don't know. But he's up there and they're saying, so tell us about you and your dad and your relationship. And he's on camera and they're going to show this, all the pastor's kids, because Carrie and I were pastors at this big church in College Station. And they ask Micah, they say, so Micah, tell us about you and your dad's relationship. And Micah, who's a jokester, thinks he's going to be funny. He says, my dad hurts me. Now, I wasn't there when they recorded it, but our worship pastor came to me days later, all concerned. She sits down. She says, I just want to let you know we can't use that piece of video because your son said that you hurt him, and I'm the children's pastor. So I had to explain that, but I get it. Parenting is hard. It is, it is so so hard. I mean, I've heard of teachers telling parents, this was great when my kids were in elementary, my, uh, my adopted kids that are now my own two sons and daughter, when we went to elementary school with them, the principal sat there at PTA opening night, whatever it was, and she said, hey, parents, listen, we're going to make an agreement with you right now that we will believe half of the stuff your kids say about you if you believe half of the stuff they say about us. And I thought, that is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant because at the end of the day, you and I want to make good parents. Am I, am I correct? 
Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, actually tells us, last week, you know, we talked about moms and, not moms and dads, husbands and wives, and we talked about marriage. If you were here last week, we talked about unlocking a healthy marriage, and here's the reason, actually, that you and I need to have a healthy, God-centered marriage. God makes it very clear in Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, has not the one and only God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. Remember last week we talked about what unfaithfulness looks like to the wife and how anything can rise above that if we're not careful. And what God's real goal, the reason God wants us to have first chair marriages is because God understands that first chair marriages produce first chair offspring. I'm going to say that one more time. First chair marriages produce first chair offspring. You see, there are seven steps to raising godly kids that I've written down, and I'm sure there are probably a bazillion. So don't take this handbook and put it on your fridge and say, uh, this is the only thing I need to do to raise godly kids. But I want to give you at least an a flyover view of what it looks like to raise godly kids. Because the same moment we choose to fulfill God's desire in our family by producing godly offspring, so that moment that we say yes to producing godly offspring, God immediately redirects our focus from our kids to us. Because God is into causes, not consequences. You, I know we're sitting here and we're like, give me, the, give me the tips on how I get my kid to be obedient. Give me the tip on how I get my kid to be humble. How I get my kid to do their chores. How I get my kid to want to go to youth group. How I get my kid to understand tithing. I'm not here today to fix your kid. I don't think God is here today to fix your kid. I think the topic and the t- conversation we're having is the one God wants to have. How to fix us. Because godly parents produce godly offspring. The principle is simple, but it's often inconvenient. You want to see an important lesson bounce right off the head of your child? Then try to teach him something that in your heart, you don't really follow or believe in yourself. Your words will snap back in your face so quick, you will think that a bungee cord was attached to it. And it's not because little Johnny or little Susie is trying to be difficult or rebellious or, or indifferent towards the Lord, but um, he's, he's actually a smart kid because he's watched you like a hawk since the crib. And since you've decided by your actions, not by your words, that you are trying to, what you're trying to teach him isn't very important, then he or she concludes that it's not really a lesson that they need to adapt to either. Are you with me? We keep trying to push things onto our kids because we want to live vicariously through them. We don't want them to make all of the mistakes that we made. But yet, even in our adulthood, we're not honoring the things that we say that we truly believe. I I know I could... I could let the Lord convict me in that area, and you could let the Lord convict you in that area. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, what are the things we need to look at ourselves, inside of ourselves, to produce 
godly offspring. So number one, in your notes, this is super simple. Love the Lord with all your heart. Love the Lord with all your heart. You want godly kids? Then love the Lord with all your heart. Doesn't that just sound like a preacher's typical response? You're like, really? I paid 10% for this? <laughs> love the Lord with all your heart. Powerful teaching, all of you teachers in the room will know this. I, I sometimes feel like teachers might understand parenting a little bit more than any of us because they have to reach through and, and speak to students who don't want to listen. But teachers understand this. That powerful teaching is not ultimately about the teacher's techniques. It's about the teacher's heart. It's the heart of the teacher. Think of, think of the teacher that you just remember off the top of your head that really made a difference in your world. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a couple of my teachers. One of them, uh, her name is Miss Cunningham. My high school theater teacher at Pflugerville High School. B.J. Cunningham. Did anyone happen to have her as a teacher or know her? No. Okay. That was, thank you. That's possible. This lady, yes, you're right. It was a long time ago. This lady taught me from ninth through 12th grade. I wanted to be this famous actor and, um, she was just brilliant. She was, she was incredible. Scared me. She was a scary lady, but, but I knew that I had her heart. And, and to this day, we're Facebook friends. And you may see her comment on my stuff, like I posted a photo of my wife and I, and, and she will say, oh, Trey, you're just so precious with a thousand hearts. That's my theater teacher from the 90s. Like, she's still invested in my life. It wasn't her teaching style. It's not her teaching technique. It was her heart. Miss Sivek, Miss Sivek, I can't find her. I've tried to track her down. I don't know if she's still alive or what, but she taught me ninth grade English. Ninth grade English changed my life. I was coming out of high school. I had just moved back to the Pflugerville area. We'd moved to Austin for a bit and realized that Reagan High School wasn't for Trey. And... <laughs> So that's another sermon another time. Maybe we'll hit that next series when we talk on fear. Um, but I came back to Pflugerville. I was in this transitioning stage of not knowing who I was. And Miss Sivet, man, English, who knew that learning grammar could teach you so much about your, your life? Who knew? But, but it, wasn't, it wasn't the lessons that she was teaching. It was the heart that she gave. We want to produce godly offspring. We've got to stop looking at parenting as a checklist. And we've got to look at parenting as a heart exchange. Love the Lord with all your heart. Moses, actually, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, which I don't really have time to read today, but the entire chapter is a brilliant philosophy on parenting. You should memorize it. All of Deuteronomy chapter 6, I think it's got like 25 verses in it. You should memorize it. It tells us everything we need to know to be godly parents. But Moses says at the beginning, because there's this promise from God, and it says, hey, we hope that your children 
and your children's children and your children's children's children are all going to walk in the ways of the Lord and be blessed in the promised land. But Moses says, here's the absolute first thing that you have to do. The first thing we have to do in verse 5, he says, is love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. Moses is talking about parenting, and the very first step to that is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. Doesn't it surprise, or does it? Maybe not, but it surprised me that the scripture doesn't say, love your kids with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your might. In our love wins culture, where love covers everything and love fixes it all, the Bible doesn't actually say, hey, love your kids and you'll be a good parent. It says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and strength. And then when you love the Lord your God with all of those things, then you can step into the freedom of being a good parent. That's, that's the first thing. So I know it didn't sound like you were getting your money's worth when I said love the Lord with all of your heart, but the reality is we might want to do a heart check and ask ourselves, are we loving the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength? Point number two. Point number two is know and obey God's word for yourself. How many of us have had those parents or heard those parents or been that parent where it says, do what I say? Oh, see, it's enough that some of you had a visceral response. Do what I say, not what I do. Do what I say, not what I do. Do, I, I hate that phrase, and and if I were to be honest with you, I've said it myself. Yeah. Clean your room. But dad, your room, shut it. <laughs> do what I say, not what I do. And all my kids in the room and watching online years later, amen. Like, I know I, I slip into that as well, right? I say, oh, wake up on time and then... I wake up five minutes before I have to leave, and I'm rushing around, and the kids are standing there. I'm like, can you help me? Why are you just standing there? Because we woke up when you said we needed to wake up. <laughs> Shut up. Do as I say, not as I do. We've all done it, haven't we? Come on, Keith. We've done it. You've done it. Have you done it? Okay, good. Thank you. If Keith's done it, we all can do it. Know and obey God's word yourself. What, what is it that we can apply from God's word to really talk about? And, and, and honestly, this whole compromise of, of being committed to God and committed to self. What if we just had a family meeting and we sat down and said, hey, guys, listen, we made a lot of mistakes. But here's one thing that I think we as a family can run after. I think God is breathing on this in this season of our family. Maybe it's. I don't know, maybe it's being faithful stewards of our time. I really believe that God is, is calling us to be faithful stewards of our time. Um, Johnny, how can you contribute to that? Well, I can do my homework at school rather than wait and do it here, or I could uh, not watch TV. Okay, Susie, how can you contribute? How can you use your time to honor God? Okay, okay, husband, how can you use your, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
what is it that we as a family can do to actually obey God's word in our life? But that's inconvenient. It's much easier to point out how everyone else in our household is not obeying the word of the Lord that is, that is for them to obey. And we would rather just push them towards their destiny while we sit in our easy chair recliner. Can I get a good amen from someone that's been there? We have to obey God's word if we want our children to obey God's word. Point number three. This is a fun one for me. I don't do this near enough, but I've been inspired in writing this sermon. I'm going to do it more. I'm pretty good at it, but not near as I should be. And that is tell your children of God's works. W-O-R-K-S. Look what the Lord has done. I wonder what would happen in our home if we just every night gathered around the dining room table or even if we we come home at different times, if we create a group text in our home and say, hey, this is what the Lord has done today. Like today, every day the Lord is doing something in your life, in your kids' lives. What if you and I talk about the works that God is doing in verse 20? It says, in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord of our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before the eyes of the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath for our ancestors. I'm reading out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's why it's not on the screen because I'm just throwing that out there to you. This is the parenting thing where Moses is saying to you and I, tell your kids that we were once slaves. And tell your kids about the signs and the wonders that God did to bring you out of your slavery. Like, we happen to know by scripture, by history, that we can go from first chair to second chair to third chair, that we can create generational slide just because we fail to talk about the signs and the wonders and the works of God in our families. Joshua, this is a great example. Joshua was a chair one guy. Joshua, the one that led the children of Israel into the promised land that God had ordained for them, commissioned them to go. Joshua, Joshua, first chair Christian. He was working with some elders. The elders, while Joshua was leading strong, they were committed. But once Joshua passed away, they were kind of in and out. These elders, they were second chair Christian, second chair living But the Bible says in Judges chapter 2 that there arose a generation, the children of the elders, that knew nothing of the Lord or the works that he had done. I hope that I don't look down three generations and see my grandkids or my great-grandkids or my great-great-grandkids who know nothing of the works of the Lord on my life. Like, I I want them to encounter their own works. They can't live on my manna, but I want the stories to go from generation to generation to generation to where someday my offspring that never even got to meet me will say, well, my great, great, great granddaddy saw the favor of God in this area in his life. 
My great, great, great grandmother saw a victory in this area of her life. You and I, if we want to raise godly kids, we have to talk about the works of the Lord. Next point, teach your children God's true word. Teach your children God's true word. If you are not teaching your kids God's true word, they will build a God in culture's image. Notice I did say teach your kids the true word. It is actually, moms and dads, your responsibility to teach your kids the word of God. It is not the eKids program to get your kids saved. It's not their, their responsibility. Now, we do that. We do it a lot. But it's not their responsibility to get your kids saved. It is not their responsibility to teach your kids the Bible stories that are easily accessible in Scripture. Heck, you can Google them. You can go to Half Price Books any day of the week and find some little kid storybook. Henry, do you know... And this is one reason, if you're a new Christian, I would highly suggest, or maybe that's strong, I would, I would encourage you to start serving in eKids. Because one of the number one things we find with new believers that are serving in eKids is they, be, they get the stories inside of them that they never picked up as a kid. Their parents never passed that on to them, and they just, life is busy. We all get it. And, and they're preparing for a lesson which is provided to them or they read a story and they think, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. We've had so many people, not just in this church, I've heard of the stories in countless other churches happen all the time in College Station where Carrie and I were children's pastors. We had people say, well, I can't serve any kids. I don't know anything about the Bible. We're not expecting you to teach the Bible. We're expecting you to offer your heart. We give you all the curriculum. In fact, most people in that classroom aren't really the teachers. They're the people who just love on the kids. And people would tell us all the time, I am learning so much about God's word. If you want to raise godly kids, teach your children God's true word. Can I get a loud amen? Just wake everybody up. Very good. All right. Next point. Lead your children to accept Jesus as their savior. For those of you that have small kids right now, and this doesn't apply just to small kids, your kid could be 23 and you could still lead them to the Lord. But for those of you that have really small kids, one of the greatest memories you will ever make as a parent is when it finally clicks and your kid says, Mommy or Daddy, I want, I want to say yes to Jesus. And inside, you freak out. And you think, God, don't let me screw this up. <laughs> and you pray and fumble through some prayer that you think feels right in the moment. And even through your weakness, God's strength shows up. And in an instant, your child is converted from one who had an eternity in hell to one who has an eternity in heaven like that. I'm telling you, parent, one of the greatest experiences as a parent, right? Anyone ever had that experience with your kids? A few. Okay, it's amazing. 
It's, it's amazing. We have to constantly be praying that our kids will accept Jesus as their Savior on their own. If you have a baby in the womb today, start praying. Start praying over them that they will accept Jesus. If you brought a baby in a carrier this morning, start praying that they are going to be the most on fire woman of God that the, this world has ever seen. Like, start praying into their. Why am I so excited about this? I don't even. Oh, I'm going to be a granddad. I'm like, why am I so passionate about babies? I don't want babies. Oh, I'm going to be a. We, we have to understand that our prayer shifts the atmosphere. And listen, parents, to the Gen Zers, to the millennials. Millennial is what age? I think 22 to age 40 right now. That's a millennial, 23. Age 23, yes. Millennials, 23 to 40. Gen Z, we call Gen Z millennials, but those are the people that are under 22, 23. Um, Gen Zers are actually, never mind. That's not in my notes, but <laughs> let me speak to anyone 40 and under no matter what society has labeled you. Millennials, Gen Zers. The enemy has been working since the foundations of the world to get your kids. And in the last 100 years, this thing we celebrate as the information age has given rise and birth to a whole new avenue of sin, deception, and distraction. Raising kids in this generation, I believe, is harder than any generation before. But where sin increases and abounds much, the Bible tells us his grace does as well. I believe any of you um, ever think to yourself, man, I wish I lived in the 50s. That was just a cool time. Yeah. Like some of you are like, I was alive, but I don't remember it. I was too young. You know, just you, I, I'm not making any, listen, I know what you said about me earlier. I'm not saying, not going there. But you know, you have these, these things where oh, I kind of wish that, that'd be kind of cool, right? To live back then. Anyone, any of you think to yourself, oh, that'd be kind of cool to live in Bible times. Several of us, yeah? Well, listen, check this out. You are currently living in Bible times. We are the end-time generation. 35% of the Bible almost speaks to us about us. Like we are living in Bible times. And, and I say to you that it's harder to parent in this generation, but listen, there is a revival that is coming over this land that is going to empower parents to be godly parents and empower the sons and daughters to prophesy and to have visions and dreams. Like, I'm not delivering this to scare you. Like, oh, this is a bad time to have kids. This is a great time to have kids. We need more godly people on this planet to do what God has called us to do. But it requires that you and I continue to fill our kids with the truth of God's Word. Point number five. Nope, six. Thank you. Encourage and train them to love and serve the Lord. Proverbs 22, six. 
I think that was used earlier today, was it not? Did you use that one? Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, what? He will not depart from it. I, I want to use this not as a prophetic declaration of excitement. I want to use this as a cautionary tale. Because if I sit in the seat of compromise and I train up a child to believe that this is the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Outside of a divine encounter with a living God. In other words, it takes, it takes a very significant moment for your child to break out of the mold that you have cast. And that can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. But are we actually training our kids on what it looks like to love and serve the Lord? Or are we training our kids on what it means to be a great athlete? What it means to get good grades? What it means to work hard? and make a lot of money and wear the right clothes. Heaven and earth will pass away, but there's one thing that will not, the thing that you impart into your kids to love and serve and honor the Lord. These are the things that will last forever. These are the eternal deposits that you and I have to make if we want godly kids stop focusing on successful kids i'm not just trying to focus on like the down and out family who it's they're in chaos and destroy they know oftentimes they need jesus i want to talk this morning to the people you've got it all You've got food in the fridge. Your lights haven't been turned off. You've got more cell phones than you need with unlimited data, unlimited texting. You've got the clothes that you don't even have to take price tags off. They're still in your closet. You think you've got it made. But I want to ask you a very sincere question today. Is it possible to make it on earth yet not make it to heaven? Is it possible to wear the clothes of religion but not have the heart of our Savior? My final point today. Take the long view. Take the long view. Hey, your, your kids are really messed up right now. Time's on your side. Your kids are far from Christ right now. Time is on your side. Nothing is far from the Lord's side. He knows it all. He knows what you're going. Let's just take the long view. Can we not just freak out about the here and now? Can we just understand that, that time is on our side, that God is faithful to complete that which he has started, and he surely is able to be faithful to his word. Take the long view. And some of us here this morning say, Pastor, listen, 
My kids are, are grown up. They're gone. They're doing their own thing. They don't look at me. I, I'm not the mommy and daddy, you know, that can tell them when to brush their teeth and when to go to bed and when to do their chores. Like, we're past that season. They're doing their own thing. And it scares me. And I pray for them nightly. I just want to tell you that your role of parenting is not done. When your child leaves your home, you don't hang up your parenting label. My, my mom and dad still parent me to this day. It changes and the role shifts. But I wonder, how can you be a better parent to your kid that's overseas right now? to your kid that's in another state, to your kid that is struggling with addiction right now? How can you be a better parent right now to those adult children? Because God didn't say that you are relieved of your duties. Some of us think that empty nest means we are free to play. The reality is empty nest is probably the hardest season of your life because now you have to parent with time and distance working against you. So how do we step into this moment and parent from afar because let's be real we don't want to be that controlling parent we don't want to be that manipulating parent we don't want to be that parent that doesn't understand boundaries for all of you that have young kids enjoy it it just gets harder that's good news today from your pastor it doesn't get easier when they go to elementary school it doesn't get easier when they go to middle school and high school it doesn't, the only thing that gets easier is the ability to communicate, but the struggles and the trials and the problems magnify greatly. It doesn't get easier, by the way, when they get married. It doesn't get easier when they go to college, but we're going we're gonna to take the long view because you see, God knows the beginning, the end from the beginning. He's not restrained by time. He's not disturbed that your kid is being nilly-willy right now. He's not disturbed by any of that because he already sees who they are becoming, not who they are. Take the long view. Start speaking faith over your kids. I'm going to extend this series, I think, next week. Is there any reason why I can't? I'm, okay. I think I'm going to come back next week because next week I want to help you heal the, the wounds of your heart, the hidden wounds of your child. Some of us are having relational tension and we don't know what's going on. We don't know why our kids are running from the Lord. We don't understand why we're not connecting. Your, your kids have some hidden wounds and you have some hidden wounds. Next week, we're going to speak healing over that. Will you stand with me? time is 10:44 but i want to take a moment to pray over parents so if you're if you are a parent who you just really need the lord to move and i'm not going to narrow it down to a certain focus but you just need the lord knows and you need the lord to move 
in your family. Will you just raise your hand? back row on the in the green what is your name Celia Celia so, something like Celia I just feel like the the Lord says to you this morning that he has heard your cries he is he has seen you praying and seeking change but there's coming an acceleration to the desires of your heart you you feel like that the desires of your heart keep hitting a brick wall and you keep trying to push the ball forward because you you feel like you know what is next the next step and the Lord says um, if you would be willing to take your hands off you'll see that he puts his hands on that there's coming an acceleration and, and he values your faithfulness and your loyalty and your zeal you're a go-getter you're not lazy you're not one of these people that say hey lord come do this for me sometimes you have to kind of manage yourself to say hey let the lord show up because i'm trying to be him a little bit too much the lord says there's coming breakthrough in your family and in your life can you guys just stretch your hands right now in the name of jesus father we seal those words and we thank you that breakthrough is coming forward right now in the name of Jesus. God, we surrender in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we will no longer try to play God. We will no longer try to push it forward and move it forward. God, we take not a step back. We just take our hands off the situation right now in the name of Jesus. And you come and do it, God. You come and do it. You've been promising her for years that this was going to happen. And now she's giving you the space and the freedom to make that happen. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, parents, who am I praying for? Parents. Parents, 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 parents. If, if you see someone with their hands raised and your hands are not raised, will you find them and place your hand on them? Every hand raised needs someone agreeing with them. Come on, teens. The Lord uses teens to place your hands. Place your hands. Anyone that has their hands raised right now, back here with Ashley and Zay. All right, that's covered, covered. Uh, Miss Linda, so we need someone over here with Miss Linda. Run. And then right next to Miss Linda. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Do you feel what the Lord is doing right now? Oh, he's just doing something. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. So right now, in the name of Jesus, every hand that is lifted, God, you see the need. You see the need. And there, there are various needs, all kinds of needs. And right now in the spirit, I just see Christmas packages falling from heaven over each household in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. We just thank you that 
whatever it is that we are believing in faith right now for our families, God, that we are gonna see breakthrough. God, we surrender, we give it to you in the name of Jesus. We understand that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, but God, we are, we are tired of, of saying the promises and not walking in the promises. So God, whatever it is, whatever's going on right now that is keeping us from that promised land, whatever our mentality is, our perspective is, our faulty beliefs are, whatever it is that we're doing that is preventing that right next step, God, I just ask that you would bring awareness over each one of us right now in the name of Jesus. God, so that the no weapon formed against us shall not prosper is not just a scripture that we've memorized and quoted. It is a scripture that our grandchildren will hear about. God, we thank you that you are faithful. God, we thank you that you are able. We thank you that you are ever present. And we just thank you for breakthrough right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And so right now over this room, I just make a few prophetic declarations. There's a parent here and you are fighting in the spirit realm for your, your child's addiction. Your child's addiction. You are freaking out inside because you don't know what's gonna happen to them. And I just wanna speak peace to you right now because the Lord's arm is not too short. The Lord's arm is not too short and I just prophetically declare that you're gonna start seeing divine connections around your kid. I, I'm gonna encourage you to close your mouth just a little bit with your child. Close your mouth and allow the Lord to do what the Lord wants to do in his or her life. And right now for all the marriages, for the people that raise their hand over marriages, there's distance and tension and you can't, you. You think you know why, but you actually believe that there's more to the story than what you understand. I'm just going to declare in the name of Jesus that there is breakthrough in your marriage. That the works of the enemy will not prosper. The distractions, the disillusionment will not work in Jesus' name. We speak unity. We speak unity over your home, and you're going to start to see that in the coming 14 days. 14 days. Every morning, I want you to wake up, and I want you to say, Lord, I thank you for the unity in my marriage. Every day. It doesn't matter if you see it. I want you to declare it. Lord, I thank you for the unity in my marriage. And then I want you to do something that day that unifies your marriage. Every morning. Every morning. Oh, God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for what you're doing among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just give the Lord a hand clap this morning?